put me in line, squirt that sweet vaccine juice into my arm. I will be in line. It's the E-Commerce Minute 2020 Wrap-Up Show. In today's episode, we'll take a fond look back at some of the episodes we've covered this year and look ahead to the e-commerce trends for 2021. And we'll also have some very special guests. All right, it goes without saying that this has been a year like any other. And if you're feeling like we are, you're anxiously awaiting its certain end and looking forward to a brighter 2021. Before our last show, we usually do a big production. Lots of guests and merriment, or at least that's how it sounds through the magic of editing. But as you know, this year, things are understandably different. So we are dialing it back a little bit. We're partying via Zoom. Uh, We've all got a cocktail in hand, wearing our finest comfy clothes and recording the last podcast of the season. Bart, I know you usually dress for these things in a tuxedo. Where did you get those tuxedo sweats? You're stylish, but yet super soft and comfy. Tuxedo sweat. You mean the, the beautiful sweater from Pete Smith's Surf Shop? (laughs) <laughs> down the shore that pretty much have it is actually a holiday theme which is oh that's good i buy the holiday stuff from them all the time which is fantastic wonderful wonderful Brittany. i see you've got an evening gown made of gray sweatpants all sewn together it really speaks to your sustainability and, <laughs> and as a minimalist myself the design is a chef's kiss it's really wonderful Thanks so much. I got it from the sale items at the Temple Bookstore last year. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, that's what those logos going, the running pattern of logos. It's really beautiful. You got school spirit, you're comfortable and stylish. It it hits all the marks. You get a bell. Thanks. This year, I'm actually, I just gave up and I'm just wearing the Ralphie bunny costume from Christmas Story because I'm cold and, you know, it serves a lot of purposes. It keeps me warm. I just don't wear the gloves because I have to type it. Uh, it's it's, it's. <laughs> a little harder to type when you're doing it with one hand. <laughs> All right. So for this, our final episode of the year, we're going to do a discussion of the top stories, discuss what comes next, and maybe make some bold predictions. So let's start off with the obvious thing. We're talking via, everybody's working via Zoom. Let's talk about Zoom. They filed to go public on in March, March 22nd, $36 a share. Currently, it's at $406 a share. Bart, do you, what do you think's next for Zoom? I think that's a little, that's a, it's like a slippery slope there that they've had this amazing growth, but where do they go now? Acquisition? Um, do they buy someone else? Maybe. I don't know if they're going to buy somebody else. I mean, Google and Microsoft are not giving up on their stuff. I mean, Teams is really good, um, especially if you, you live in the Microsoft shop. Right. You have some clients that do. Team ha- teams basically just it, it, it's the Slack Zoom kind of combo, we'll but it's right. more integrated because I I haven't yes. been in Windows yeah, World it's for it's very yeah, it's very integrated. You can do like documents and stuff like that in it. So it's definitely definitely it's the combo of like documents and chatting and you know all that stuff built in. Google is definitely promoting their stuff and they're doing you know bigger sort of they're definitely producing a lot more from it. So who knows where it goes? Zoom has still been the thing. You know everybody's like, well, just Gale and Zoom. Like it became a verb. Yeah. A, a lot of companies got bought. I think Blue Jeans got bought last year. You know Webex from Cisco is still a biggie. Adobe has their own. Like everybody has their own. Zoom's just so universal lately, and schools use it too. So I don't know where to go. I mean, it's it's gonna grow, obviously. Still, 
you know, next, who knows where, first of all, who knows where work is going to be after all this. Half the year is still going to be, you know, everybody's going to work from home. Zoom is just natural to to be used. So they're going to keep on growing. I think they're going to get more people. The problem with them is is where they're getting their money. <laughs> so that's that's a little tricky. We'll see where it goes. Yeah, I, I have I have two thoughts. Um, one, I just wonder where how the pro the 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 product itself is going to grow, or do they just kind of say, hey, we're the verb, we're the we're the video conferencing verb. We'll just incrementally keep tweaking the product. Because what I don't like is when someone has a product like this and says, oh, let's clamp on these other things on here. And suddenly you've got Skype on your hands, which everyone hates. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is, where, you know, again, where do they go? Their valuation is is pretty high, but are they an acquisition target or could they buy someone else? It's, it's an interesting spot to be in. There's rumors that Amazon, IBM, Oracle are looking, you know, looking at Zoom, but those, you know, those rumors fly every day and who knows what, how much of it's true. Those rumors go all over the place, but... Interesting thing to look at. I don't have a prediction. Bart, do you have any predictions on Zoom? No, I think it's just going to be used a lot more. It's one of those, who knows right now. I think next year is still going to be growth. But obviously, like I said, Microsoft and Google is just going to keep on going after them. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Zoom has definitely become a verb. Let me grab a Kleenex real quick and uh, Xerox my... Are you going to Xerox, your Kleenex? Xerox Kleenex? my Photoshop? Yeah. And then Clorox right. it. <laughs> so speaking of work from home, 2020 was the year that work from home became a thing. I like to tell everybody that I have been re- working remotely since Bush Jr. was in office. So, I, you know, I've been training my whole life for this. And it was really adorable watching everyone adjust to working from home. <laughs> But we'll throw some stats here. 88% of the organizations worldwide made it mandatory or encouraged their employees to work from home after COVID-19. Furthermore, 97% of organizations immediately canceled all work travel. We already knew that. According to Upwork, 41.8% of the American workforce continues to work remotely. Now, that is your information workers. That does not include essential workers who obviously, you know, you can't build a house from home. You can't work, <laughs> you know, you can't be a police officer from home. There are just some jobs that just cannot be done from home. But it really is incredible, this shift to working from home. I have a bunch of other stats, but the one thing that should be noted and I think become quite apparent is how productive people have become working from home and how companies are going, well, hot damn, <laughs> we don't need that office. Maybe, you know, these people are more productive. What do you think, Bart? Multiple things. A, I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot to unpack here. I have a whole page full of stats and I figured, you know what? The, we can chat about it. There's a lot of stats going on. Yeah. So first and foremost, you know, working from home, yes, but we're also working from home while in pandemic and people are trying to school their kids at the same time. Are they more productive? I, that's it, it, us, yes. We don't have kids, you know, John, your kid is grown, so he's not even in the house. So, and you're used to doing this, but the protective, you know, it depends how you look at it. People with kids in the house where they have to teach them, it's definitely not more productive. It's actually uh, probably a lot more stressful. Mm-hmm. Personally, on, on from our side, I mean, we've been built like a remote company no matter what. So as much as uh, we like being in the office and having friends around and stuff like that, ironically, I'm actually in an office right now, um, working from home oh, and being yourself. remote. I am by myself. Working remote is not that hard for us. It's never been like most all our clients are remote and they're nowhere near us. We don't see them. It's all online. So we know how to work it. Knowledge work is a little different. Obviously it's all on computer. So we can work pretty much from anywhere as long as we have internet connection. 
I missed every I miss everybody being in office, but that's just me. Not everybody likes that. John, you're you're the tip, like you love working from home. So there's a whole bunch of things. Where is this going? I think the change is gonna be in I think there's gonna be a resurgence of co-working spaces, meaning that I think people like the changes of how office space looks and what it is, it's not gonna be a huge office space anymore, but people will wanna get out. You know, I like getting out of the of the house to to be have some space, but I don't have to have we don't have to have the office for that, right? You can do partial or co-working spaces. I think that's gonna be interesting once everything kind of clears up. I'll agree with you there, one hundred percent on the co-working thing. I think it's a shame about what happened to WeWork because if they could have held on for another year, they could have been a completely different company. And I will. And I echo- think they will be, John. I think I think the change in change how they're working and what they're doing with it they have they're going to come out on top with us yeah no i agree you're going to see people looking for the on-demand office but not necessarily oh we need to have five floors in a building dedicated it's more like flexible office space and we're going to also talk about people moving people are on the move people remote working is now you know it's not like oh he's a weirdo he's a remote worker it's like people want to do this and again, it's it's tailored to the different types of work. We are obviously more tailored to this type of work and you know the people that can do that can do it. You can work if you've got a laptop and a Wi-Fi connection, which also leads not just so much the co-working thing, but also the companies that said, hey, you know what? This is working out great. You can work from home forever. Well, the guy who lives in San Francisco or New York goes, well, hot dog, I don't have to pay New York rents anymore. I can move to uh, Punta Gorda, Florida or some place that's like super cheap to live. And he's going to pocket, he's going to, what's that? Pahrumpf, Nevada. Pahrumpf, Nevada. There, that's even better. Pahrumpf, <laughs> Nevada. So he moves to Pahrumpf, Nevada, and he pays less in everything and housing and all the other things that, that, he, that all the associated costs came from working and puts the rest of that in their pocket. So the one question that is raised now is, well, if you're working for tech company X and you're getting paid a, a premium salary because you live in San Francisco, and you decide to move to Pahrumpf, Nevada, should you get paid the same salary? Well, if the need for that talent warrants that salary, then of course, yes. But if your salary has been adjusted for your location, then there's a whole different discussion there. And we're not talking about maybe an engineer that can command you know, a six figure, but maybe somebody who's in customer service that, that I moved to Austin because that's where the company wants me to be. And now I don't have to live in Austin anymore. Should they take a pay cut just because they can now move to a different suburb? Yeah. Of- and that's a, and that's a hard, hard, like very hard. Like a, it's, a, it's a hard argument, both sides, right? Yep. Do you pay salaries? that are exactly the same. Is that fair? Or do you pay salaries according to where you live? Mm-hmm. Like there's a whole bunch of ways of looking at it. And I don't, I don't think there's a right, answer right like yes for the workers you kind of want to pay you know great salaries but is it fair to one worker to be in a very expensive place to like it, it's just so different right because and then everybody's situation is different you know what if what if you have family and you can't really move you have to be in one place you know right uh, yeah i'll be very interested to see the numbers on this in like a, like two years yeah i think it's going to take two years i i think next year is going to be a real paradigm shift in in, in that it's almost like it's almost 
I'm looking forward to it, but I'm almost, almost dreading it when we finally go, oh, we're past this because you know what's going to happen. Everything is going to explode. Oh my God, you're not yeah. going to be able to get a table in a restaurant. You're not going to be able to get on a flight. You're not going to be able to buy a house anywhere, anywhere because everyone is suddenly going to go, I'm free. And I can't even imagine the clubs. Yeah, it's going to be insane. But, you know, good problem to have. But especially when it comes to the, again, remote workers, like where, where does that shake out? Where does that fall? And I think that's going to take two years for, for people to figure that out. We're now in the winter and things are kind of stagnant and we're really in kind of in the, in the dreaded, like hopefully last gasp of this pandemic. So I think people are pretty much, you know, just kind of staying put and see what's going to happen. But uh, the next six to eight months are going to be really telling in what happens to, to the workforce and the, you know, obviously the economy overall, but to see how employers deal with, you know, Joe who wants to suddenly go, oh, hey, I don't have to live here anymore, man. I'm just going to move somewhere else. And, you know, then the other employees follow, <laughs> follow suit. And it's like, well, where does, where's the pay structure? You know, how does, how does a smaller company handle that? You know, like how would we, how, how do we handle something like that? It's, it's going to be very interesting. It's also going to like change the questions that future employees ask their employers in interview like what's your policy on remote work like yep. what how did you handle the pandemic what did you let your workers do it's gonna just like change so many things about even like the dynamics of an interview what people are looking for in a company now yeah we used to look at companies like Basecamp where they were like 100% remote and I'm just like wow that must be really weird to work and for a company like that and now Jason Fried's going <laughs> we're closing our office. We don't know. We've been doing this forever. <laughs> Speaking of offices, then close this segment out. What we're seeing now, obviously, is, is New York office space is the occupancy rates. Of course, the tech companies are moving in and they're, you know, Facebook and Google, they're, they're moving in and like renting all these big spaces and offering, you know, the, Bart said it better than I did is that the people need connection. They need mentors. They need, they need to have that, that connection. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's what Scott. I mean, Scott Galloway has been saying is like the twenty somethings that you know, like Britney's age, basically. You know, you want that's the place you meet people. Um, that's where you meet people. That's where you meet your mentors. That's where you meet your spouse. Like, yeah, exactly right. That's from Scott Galloway. It's like it's a that those twenty somethings need to have that that experience of I go to work, I meet my girlfriend, I meet my spouse, I meet my mentor, I meet my future manager, I meet my future business partner. Whereas people who have been in the workforce for a while. You and me, Bart, you know, we don't think of the, we don't think of those things top of mind. Like we just go, oh, you just work from home, but you, you have to imagine, and Brittany, you can chime up here is, you know, you, you don't have that connection anymore. And it, it definitely, I don't know if it stagnates your career, but it definitely changes your, your environment. I don't know where I'm going with this. You're just how you think and how you go about your life. There's like a layer of like networking to that too, you know? Like it takes networking out of the whole thing because half of being around people is making impressions for a reason. Yeah. What happened to networking? How do people network now? <laughs> How do they do that? LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Uh, no, it's a trash fire. So. <laughs> I don't, it, for young, for younger sort of generation, like it's, I, yeah, it's a little harder to LinkedIn. There's a whole bunch of tools out there now. They're, they're you know, it, it's there. You kind of rely like, Somebody like me, I relied on my rest of my network to kind of connect with people. It's a little harder for somebody that's like like Brittany. It's a little harder for her to do it, but that's going to go away. I think it's a year of of figuring out sort of what you want to do in life. I mean, that's that's the only thing you can look at it, right? So, I just want to go to a trade show and 
sit at a bar and have a drink with somebody. <laughs> well, speaking of, I mean, John, speaking of that, remember like in the end of the year last year, I was like, I don't want to travel for a year. I, I just don't want to go to places. I'm sick of Tratros. I've been doing it for so long. And, and you're like, I already told, I already said I'm not going anywhere, right? I went to two conferences specifically just for me. And I came back at last shop month. talk and all that stuff. Yeah. And I came back that week where everything went haywire. Everything went... And I was like, well, this is kind of funny. <laughs> It worked um, out for you, but did, so are you changing your point of view or you wanted to have just a little taste of that life back again or where are you? Um, yeah, I miss the plane sometimes. I mean, it's mm. weird to say I always love travel. So for me, and it's always easy, you know, you've traveled with me, but next year's not going to, it's not going to, it's not going to pick up. It's not going to pick up till end of the year. And that's just silly. So yeah. Yeah, we're going to have to wait. Yeah. And who knows where our life's going to be then. All right. Speaking of our old friend, COVID, COVID was the accelerant for e-commerce this year. The COVID-19 pandemic accelerated the shift to e-commerce by five years, which is pretty incredible, according to data from IBM's U.S. Retail Index published this August. On the downside, department stores as a result are seeing significant declines in the first quarter of 2020. Department stores sales and those from other non-essential retailers declined by 25%. Now, who were the, and then it declined further from that, but we won't get into that. But the winners were anyone who was doing delivery, Bapas, online grocery, things like that. My favorite, yeah. I mean, U.S. e-commerce sales jumped 37% in Q3 alone. And we can talk about Amazon, who nearly doubled their profits in the fourth quarter alone. And the winners, obviously, would be your meal kits. Again, Bapa's subscription, anybody doing a subscription, online grocery. We're going to talk about Walmart and Amazon further down. And the losers. Actually, um, actually I'm, going to add some, I'm going to add some people to the winners. I know it's grocery stuff, but anything fitness, makeup, which is really yeah. important. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Let's drill down a little further. I mean, look, look at Peloton stock right now, and the fact that you couldn't even get an exercise bike, you know, for a good two or three you months. Still can't. Um, still can't. Yeah, uh, all the fitness stuff. Um, all the fitness stuff. Makeup. Yeah. Makeup is huge, right now. Why is it huge um, right now? I would think it'd because be everybody's on Zoom. So they're trying to be pretty on Zoom. It fell right. off, but it came back. Okay, I was waiting yeah, for you, Brittany, because like, I was I'm, I was a little lost there. <laughs> because like, we don't use Zoom on video, like everybody does, so everybody's doing their makeup for it. Yeah, it's true. To me, like there's so many things that we want to spend money on. Like I know that like stress shopping for those who are fortunate enough to do so has been like a really big thing this quarantine, and one of the easiest like no frills instant satisfaction things to bulk buy his makeup that's what I've realized in the beginning people were like no I'll never I'm not wearing makeup I'm not wearing shoes I'm not wearing this I'm not doing that and then halfway through we were like wait a second I want to feel pretty again so everyone just like completely like binged out on buying all this makeup yeah I mean, John, down in like April or or May remember the story we had about like everybody's buying tops and they don't care about the bottoms yeah, 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 right, right. We actually saw a stat where it was like sales of pants declined. But you're right, Brittany, just, just by a loose view of social media, you see there's a lot of a lot of people going, oh, you know what? I'm tired of my sweatpants. I just want to look nice again. And yeah, so I guess it's people are just like, they're, they're just they're just bored with being. They're just bored with just not doing bored. their makeup. They're, they just want to they're look just, pretty. 
they're just bored. We want hey, to listen if we're going out. Yeah, I mean, if if you if if a little bit of makeup makes you happy and for your mental health, pff, more power to you. You know, yeah, absolutely. Some of the other winners, obviously, alcohol sales, food oh, delivery, yeah. and home improvement materials. Because, Everybody's and I will home. attest to that. That's all I've been doing is just puttering around my house. And my new disco is Home Depot. I go to Home Depot once or twice a week walk around plywood is at an all-time high because people are just building stuff so it's really going to affect housing prices next year but that is a whole another conversation it's already there i mean it's i've i've been looking at houses and it's i'm frightened by what's out there because cheap money and people are moving everywhere and it's only you know as i said earlier it's in the next six to eight months it's going to be insane All right, let's talk about some of the big tech mergers, specifically in the commerce space. We'll go through some, we're not going to cover all of them, but we'll cherry pick a few. In May, Facebook bought Britney's favorite Giphy for $400 million. That's the searchable library (laughs) for movable images or GIFs. (laughs) Price is pegged to $400 million. And one quick stat, 50% of Giphy traffic already comes from the Facebook family of apps, half of that from Instagram itself. So that one made complete sense. And of course, the big blockbuster in July, Uber acquired Postmates for $2.65 billion with a B. The deal brought together two of the biggest food delivery companies in the U.S. and will bolster Uber's own Eats brand. And in June, Amazon acquired autonomous driving startup Zooks for $1.2 billion. Um, that is super interesting. I'm waiting to see how they're actually going to use that thing. They're actually doing some demos of this using actual Zooks cars. They're doing some, not not so much delivery stuff, but um, like, hold on. Live Google. Oh, okay. They're doing more of like taxi type stuff, not so much, you know, autonomous vehicles coming to deliver your Whole Foods yet, but I'm sure that's coming. All right. And the next acquisition, and of course, Facebook bought customer with a K. We did a show on that last week. Uh, Customer, you know, again, it's not one of those uh, brand names that you know. It's a startup founded with the aim of disrupting the customer service industry with a new approach, providing agents with better data and more unified pictures of users. That cost Mr. Zuck a staggering $1 billion with a B. That was their largest in terms of deal size since the Oculus acquisition in March 2014. And finally, Salesforce acquires Slack for $27.7 with a B. Bart, we talked about this a couple of times. What, like, is this good for Salesforce? Like, they're doing a lot of different things now. Where does this fit in? They have to. I mean, it's they're becoming another you know, Microsoft or you know Adobe. You know, you have CRM, but like, they're they're like everybody thinks of Salesforce as CRM, but there's too much. There's so much to it. They're an application building type of thing. You can build a whole bunch of top applications on top of their system. So, right. And Salesforce is the biggest CRM out there. It's very expensive. It's huge. It's, terrible for small businesses but that's just me um sorry i'm not jaded um (laughs) but yeah i mean it's it's the whole suite i mean you can run everything with it so it makes sense for them to to buy up slack i mean that was bound to happen and they were probably the the big acquisition target i don't think microsoft was going to pick them up but this makes sense overall I'm just wondering what the future is for Slack in terms of features and things like that. Again, um, bigger I, integrations with obviously with Salesforce, but other than that, I think they're going to keep it alone for a while. They have to. There's the, the usage of it is so huge. Yeah, yeah, I agree. What what is is HipChat still around? 
It is still around. He got I bought think. by. Oh, didn't they get bought by Atlassian? Yeah, I don't remember. Something. Like, yes, yeah, something I, like they did. Because we yeah, used to, we did. were old hip, old school hip chat users from back well, in the early days. Basically, it's campfire. Oh, campfire in hip chat. Oh my. I mean, there's oh a lot of chat before that, but Campfire was one of those that started this whole sort of platform. Then HipChat came out, we played with HipChat, and then Slack was the thing, and everybody started getting onto it. But also, I mean, to go back to our one of our first stories, I mean, Slack, sure, they bought, but Teams for Microsoft is a hell of a chatting platform. Same thing. Yeah. Zoom has it built in, chatting inside of it. I hate it. Um, I don't like the way it's set up, and I don't – well – I'm using my own lens here, but I don't know. I don't really see how people use it because when you're doing video chat, I would assume, you know, unless you're like, you know, creeping on people or having little secret chats, it's one-on-one or one-on-three or one-on-thirty. I think there's only one company that uses Zoom chat. Who's that? Zoom. (laughs) Zoom themselves. um, Zoom themselves. Obviously, they can't use anything else. I mean, that makes sense, right? It's like if Microsoft was like, oh, we're going to use uh, Slack. Right, we're like going to use Slack to talk about each other. How does, that, how does that make sense, right? So for context, the final price is more than Microsoft paid for LinkedIn. Oh, Slack. Salesforce doesn't own LinkedIn. Why do I say? I misspoke Microsoft earlier. Microsoft. Microsoft owns LinkedIn, and they paid $26.2 billion in 2016. It's only topped by IBM's $34 billion purchase of Red Hat in 2018. And finally, to close out the Slack story, Stuart Butterfield, I guess he's now a very rich man. If you are not familiar with him, he's the guy who started Slack, but he also started Flickr and sold that off to Yahoo many, many, many years ago and went to found yet another company. So good for Stuart Butterfield and his friends. Finally, we're going to talk about Walmart versus Amazon. This year, we saw the ongoing battle between Amazon and Walmart continue. Amazon, obviously, clearly had a head start when it comes to e-commerce, but Walmart made some big strides this year. They made some interesting moves. They announced that they would wind out its Jet.com business and discontinue the Jet Black Shop by Tech Services. Those two moves followed the sale of the digital native clothing brand Mod Cloth last fall. They also sold Shoes.com, which Walmart acquired for $9 million in 2017. And digital lingerie seller Bare Necessities, which Walmart picked up less than two years ago, will go to Israeli apparel maker Delta Galil Industries. So this whole thing represents a strategic retreat and refocusing of Walmart's resources. We did so many stories about how Walmart was like trying to court that different consumer and they were buying up all these brands. And this is literally an unwinding of every single story we did in 2016, 2017 about Walmart. Um, they they were trying to draw on the younger affluent digitally shop digitally savvy shopper the jet black they had the store number eight innovation incubator they they had all this stuff going on and all of a sudden they went they put on the brakes and said you know what go back to core business core business core business and that's where they're at and you know they pulled everything back i mean they're, they're even talking about like bonobos is still under walmart correct bart yeah 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 still there. Um, i think they're gonna stick around I'm not sure about, I mean, my cloth and all them are going to be gone. They're gone. And I know they have the betting company. There's a bunch of other brands that they bought. And suddenly it's like, oh, they're unwinding all the stuff and going back. We we haven't heard much from Mark Laurie lately. I don't know what he's doing, <laughs> but it's very interesting. It's, you know, because I think they finally realized uh, what their core strength was 
was their logistics and having those, you know, they have 5,400 stores. So they have that logistics benefit that can put them ahead of Amazon and basically said, we're going to go head to head with Amazon on the delivery thing. So they launched the Walmart Plus service, which came out very recently. And if you compare them, they're not the same. So Prime is $119 a year, Walmart Plus is $98 a year. But with Amazon Prime, you get all that other stuff. You get all the media services and the photos and music and all that other kind of stuff. But for Walmart Plus, uh, you get for grocery orders over 35 and up for free and anything from the warehouse is delivered free. But again, 98 to 119, it's not really a big difference, but I think they're they're catering to two, you know, I think they're two different customers there. I don't know. What, what do you think about this part? Oh, Walmart. <laughs> I don't know where they're going to go with it. I think, I mean, I have the size of it. Um, <laughs> I think size. overall, I think Walmart went, hey, our stores are moneymaker. Let's not go deep into other things and let's just do our Walmart Plus and be better than Amazon and just stick it to it and be done with it. <laughs> yeah. And where are they going to do that? They're going to do it through grocery. That's kind of where I was, I was kind of leading you down the path here. I think that's where Walmart realizes that they're better at the grocery because of sheer market share, sheer market share and the ability to, you know, because Walmart, because Amazon stuff comes from either the stores or from a warehouse, but look at the footprint of Walmart. Like if you, you got 5,000, you know, 5,500 stores or whatever it is, you can get a grocery order. You know, they can have that there within an hour because everyone lives within what, what's the stat like nine, 90 miles of a Walmart or something like that. It's actually probably lower than, well, not everybody, right. Cause you gotta, I don't know. You live right. around the corner for one parents do two. I mean, it's, it's depends where you live, but it, you know, Walmart is like the biggest store for a lot of people, which is, which is great. Super Walmarts are awesome because it's just one-stop shopping for everything. Yeah. I, I think they're for me, Walmart with their groceries and everything like with groceries and everything else built into it. And then that, that the Walmart plus stuff, either delivery or Bapas, I think they have a good strategy to win, right? That whole market share. Because I think Target has its own kind of market, and then Amazon is Amazon. Yeah, I think there's three, like between Amazon, Target, and Walmart. The, the, the there's definitely a selection of people that you have the market kind of kind of taken care of completely. Yeah, because again, I, I have this little chart here that I keep looking at. Dollar for dollar, Amazon Prime is the better deal because of all the other services. And you know, when you look at products available for same day delivery from Amazon Prime. 3 million, Walmart plus 160,000. They don't offer streaming. You can get a fuel discount. So you have some of the Walmart super centers, I guess, have gas stations. You can get a fuel discount, but not many people be able to take advantage of that. I mean, but if you, if you're, if you're sort of weekly or bi-weekly grocery shopping and your tool pickup and your car service and everything else, where a lot of these sort of areas, that's the only thing you have, Something like that is great, you know, because Amazon's not going to cover any of that, right? Right. You would think that if if somebody purchases, I would say, sorry, I'm spitballing here. I wonder if in the Walmart Plus thing, if they're going to also not only like groceries and they do that whole delivery, whatever they're like discounting on or whatever, but I wonder if they're going to also include like, hey, if you pay this, we'll give you 10% discount on your tires when you change them here or yeah. battery or any, like all the services that 
extra are already into Walmart. That's a good point. Cause again, you got to, people are always going to look at that chart. Well, why should I pay 98 when 119, I get all this stuff, but that's a, that may be a different type of consumer who are just looking for those discounts and 10% for Walmart is nothing. So 10% off of auto, you know, you go to the Sam's club because they own the Sam's club. Maybe you get, you connect the exactly. Sam's club to it. You do all that kind of stuff. Walmart did buy Voodoo. I guess that's what, where they were kind of heading with that. But then I think, then they sell it. So I don't, yeah, I don't know where they're they, going. I think that it wasn't, it wasn't, it was the same. Like if you look at it, it's the same breath as, you know, Bonobos and Moncloth and all those, all those services. Yeah. I think it was just not what they do. Right. Like I think they figured out that after, you know, two, three years of all these other services, they're like, wait a minute, this makes no sense. We make right. so much. Like, I think the stat was, there's a point where I think this is where it came into head where a Walmart store will make a billion dollars stores will make a billion dollars a month and jet.com and, and that whole service was losing a billion dollars a month <laughs> you know right. and walmart being an old school company they're like wait a minute why are we, well, this makes no sense right like they uh, like you know and and, and mark Lawyer was like you know well, we have to acquire customers this is how internet businesses work and walmart is like that's not how business works they're like nope 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 nope, nope. like we have to make money and that's where I think all broken down. They're like, we got to go back to do what we do best. Take yep. some of the ideas from internet, go, hey, this Walmart, Walmart Plus makes sense, but let it do it our way and actually make money like we do. Yeah, and I was actually going to read off some of the pharmaceutical moves that Walmart has made, but the list is really like way too long to even read. So they're really doubling down on that in-store experience, going head-to-head against Amazon for that type of, you know, the same types of services, but working with their, their physical footprint. And they actually just announced the service yesterday, the day before they're partnering with FedEx to roll out carrier pickup by FedEx, which the company says allows customers to return items purchased online from the comfort of your home. I think this is really cool. It's the latest service to help online shoppers make returns without the hassle of leaving their home or facing potentially long lines and crowds. I would totally use this. Yeah, I think, John, um, speaking of pharma, for, of the medical stuff, I think the next battleground for Amazon and Walmart is going to be medical. It's going to be pharmacies. It's going to be, you know, pharmaceutical things that get delivered. Yep. And I, think I agree with that. Two, those two put together are going to be a major player, and they will, like, kick all the pharmacies, but all over the place. Yeah. Um, I mean, if, they, is, if ahead, in the race for dominance, they can make um, – medicine more affordable I'll yeah you, you, you would hope to see that that's a big that's a big ship to turn there i think that's pretty low on the list of things that could potentially happen but who knows with amazon but uh well, yeah amazon I mean, I mean they're buying they're buying medical stuff they're buying pharmacy stuff i mean i i finally used a, their pharmacy service not the pill pack stuff because there's two different yeah, services two. right just the regular pharmacy i love it I, I i'm telling you i literally just got a text message two weeks before I need my meds fully. They're very on top of it. And it's easy. It was just there. Like, mind you, my meds are not expensive first or I have to take them. But still, it, it's kind of, it's it's the way I think this is going to roll out and the way they're going to attack it, it's going to be huge. Totally agree. Okay. So wait, wait, <clears throat> I did research. Allegedly, according to Business Insider, 90% of all Americans live within 15 miles of a Walmart. There it Boom. is. There That's it is. I thought. 
Bam. So you <laughs> talk about 15 miles. So wow. It it proves, you know, sort of saying me if they integrate more stuff. Like they they're gonna take it's gonna be amusing actually, but if they take the Sam's Club membership model, put it into sort of the internet model, now they're become this membership thing that is discounted. You can have services plus pharmacies plus it, like it all of a sudden becomes a thing, right? For a lot of people who Good are point. that's their only place to shop. Good point. Good prognostication there from Bart. And I for sometimes <laughs> <laughs> he's got him sometimes. Sometimes he's got it. Sometimes he just goes. Sometimes he just gives a heavy sigh. And for our biggest story of the year, the vaccine. Our hero, the vaccine. The vaccine, which will get us all back to some sense of normalcy. I was actually shocked and stunned how fast that that our dear friend science was able to come up with a vaccine. But I know Bart, you've you've been kind of you 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 and I chat a lot about this. It's actually a vaccine that was already in develop and in development, and they were able to link it and turn it around. You have any thoughts on that? Yeah, it's a new kind of technology. They've been doing it for I think over a decade now. It's it's the idea that basically instead of the virus, they actually attacking the the surroundings of it or the the proteins, which is cool because any virus that has a protein like that they can actually make a vaccine really quickly. There's no actual virus inside of it. There's genetic material. Saying yeah. There's, there's and a, lot of people, a lot of people misunderstand that there's no virus in this vaccine. This is virus. a completely different thing. Correct. So basically what what's cool is it's not trying to make anybody's against the virus itself, but actual the the, the wrapping of it in layman's terms. Don't take my advice on that, but that's <laughs> I am not a term. doctor, but I do play one on a podcast. <laughs> on Holly Express last night. Did not. That's just silly. But, but that's the basic, right? It's the rat they're, they're attacking the wrapper, right? So it destroys it and all that stuff. So it's actually a very, very cool technology that been actually around for a very long time. This is why they could do it this fast. And they also had the, the genetic material in like January or December of what the actual, you know, the the DNA of it or RNA of it was. So that's why they could do it really quick. Right. The other side of that is, is like, people are like, oh, this is quick. But if the whole world is taking the red tape off and throwing as much money as, as you can at this, this is why this has developed so fast. Not hard. You know, a lot of the issues with vaccines or any medical is red tape and testing and, you know, getting through approvals. Right. Everybody sped everything up, which makes it faster. Like I think they did it. What was it, Pfizer? I think they 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 figured it out over a weekend. Pretty incredible. Um, two, I I think it's two immigrants from Turkey in in Germany. That's yeah. where Pfizer is based out of. Where like we, they did it over a weekend after splicing the RNA. So <laughs> I think that's what it was. But it's just fun. Like. Like it's amazing to me how good the science of this is. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Science wins again. And as of this timeline, we're in mid-December. So 21, we're in the middle of December. So almost 8 million doses of the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines have been shipped to states. They're going to three priority groups, healthcare workers, frontline workers, and people over 75. And 50 million people are expected to get injections by February. And then starting in February, 50 million more in those priority Priority groups get vaccinated. 
And then as more, more shots become available, priority groups expand to include people over 65 and those with pre-existing conditions. So you and I, Bart, will be in that group there because we're, we're just old guys. And then March, April, more priority. They expand the priority groups. And then May, June becomes widely available to young, healthy members of the general public. So, Britt, you're going to have to wait Thank to you. <laughs> hey, I have asthma. Oh, you know what? We're going to move you up to the March time slot. I'm just, I'm, I'm just very, very excited about all this. No, I'm excited too. I mean, you know, obviously between Pfizer and Moderna, they're two good ones and there's more coming. So this is good. Yeah. So they're predicting be- between July and September, most adults in the U.S. who want a vaccine will likely have access at this point. Takes two shots, but they figure by October, December, herd immunity through vaccination could be reached in the U.S. If 75% or more get their shots, put me in line, squirt that sweet vaccine juice into my arm. I will be in line. I have no problem getting a vaccine shot. Please give it to me now. What else? Please, (laughs) please, sir. May I have a vaccine? Please, I have no problem. Well, I mean, you know, people are like, you know, in the beginning of this, when I started vaccine, I was like, yeah, I would probably have to wait six months. We have no choice but to wait six months now. Right. But also by the time, you know, you, John, you and I get it, or, or Brittany, forget it. Like, it, there's so many people that would be already vaccinated and went through this over six months or more, almost a year. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. you look at the people who went through the trial, like, that's going to be almost a year when they had it. So, yeah, it's going to be, you know, it's basically it's safe. There's nothing in it, literally nothing, nothing in it. There's nothing in it. It's just vaccine juice. It's good for you. And your hot, if dog, there, your hot dog you ate on the street of New York, it has more crap than this. <laughs> I was right? just about to say, if there any, if there is anything in it, I'm immune to it. I eat Taco Bell bi-monthly. I was just going to say fine. Taco Bell. Yeah. yeah. I'm, f- yes. I'm fine. If you've had Taco Bell burritos, you can take this vaccine. Trust the me. Exactly. Is like the mRNA, right? that whole point and then it's like few fats little salt little sugar like mm. literally that's all it is mm, sounds good fat salt sugar that's we're it. gonna see that's a lot of vaccine themed cocktails once we get back to bars all right we're gonna close this episode this final episode of the year up for the e-commerce minute we wish you a happy holiday and a great new year the gang will be back with new shows in fact Brittany did renew her contract again so we'll be back for season five in January 2021. <laughs> and listeners, if you like the show, go share it with your friends. Make sure they subscribe. Leave a rating on iTunes. Every listener helps share the gift that is the e-commerce minute. From all of us from Sumo Heavy, we wish you the happiest and safest of holidays. Stay home. Stay put. We got this. We got this. 2021 will be back stronger than ever. We will see you in January. I'm going to read, I'm going to do the pause for the record scratch. I'm going to do this intro and then I'm going to get into what we're wearing. And then we'll get into, we'll go speaking of Zoom because we're all going to talk about work from home and then we'll go into it. And hopefully it will we'll just flow like molasses down the side of a giant thing of pancakes. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I should put that in at the end. <laughs>